much. I, um, I appreciate our musicians, and I appreciate their giftedness and their willingness to use that giftedness for the Lord. I could use Ross as, as, as an example if I wanted to single out one uh, of our musicians. You might look at Ross, listen to Ross as he plays the piano, and think to yourself, man, he is really, really good. And you might say to him after the service, maybe standing out in the lobby, Ross, man, I, you, you're so good on that piano, and I really appreciate um, your giftedness and your talent. And I know Ross well enough to know that probably the first thing out of his mouth would be something like, well, I thank the Lord that God gave me that gift. And he would be absolutely right about that. But what we want to talk about this morning is this. God did gift Ross. He's just got a knack. And he has spent hours and hours and hours and hours, and he has sacrificed, and he has learned, and he has made mistakes, and he has grown in order to play the piano the way that he plays the piano. God did give him a gift. But it, it goes beyond that to what his dedication and commitment to that gift is. Hey, we have all can relate to a coach who sees a young person who has exceptional talent and exceptional giftedness. And he thinks to himself, this kid could be the best. But it will all depend on his sacrifice and on his work and what he's willing to do to be the best. He's got the gifts. We, we, we've seen teachers who have looked at students and thought to themselves, this, this young lady can be anything she wants to be. She can do anything she wants to do. She has been gifted with this incredible creativity or this incredible intelligence or... And it's absolutely true, but that teacher will tell you if that young lady is not committed, does not sacrifice, does not give herself toward that giftedness, she'll just be average at best. And what I want you to see this morning is that God looks at you that way. God looks at you and he says, you have got everything that you need to be the very, very best. I've given you all that you need. I've equipped you. I've provided for you. But your experience will depend on your part. Your experience will depend on your sacrifice and what you're willing to give and how you're willing to invest yourself. A couple of verses in the Bible that, that give us some things that we can do to invest ourselves. I, I, I want to share with you Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You're familiar with this verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You heard it a million times? This is a verse that can radically change your life. This is part of the investment. Trust in the Lord. As a matter of fact, I, 
I want to ask Julio to put that verse back on the screen, and I want us to say that out loud together. I want you to say it. Say this with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Is that a desire of your heart for 2016? What about Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7? Do not be anxious about anything. That's a pretty all-inclusive word. But in everything, that's a pretty all-inclusive word. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, request be made known to God. This is my part. This is what God calls me to. This is my investment. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. This is God's promise. When I do my part, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want us to say that together. Philippians 4, 6. Say this with me. Say it out loud. Beat it in your heart. Here we go. Ready? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you be willing to trust God this coming year in everything? Would you take that that trial? Would you take that question? Would you take that difficult circumstance? Would you take that mountaintop experience? Would you take anything and everything to his throne? Would you be willing to give that to him? Would you be willing to let him uh, or allow him to, to use that circumstance, good or bad, in your life to change you? I want you to turn to the book of Joshua the very first chapter. Y'all are familiar with this story. Most of you will be familiar with this story. We learn in the book of Exodus that God has used Moses to lead his people out of bondage. By the way, for every believer in this room, you have been set free. God has freed you from bondage. He frees the people, God's people, from bondage in Egypt. He miraculously takes them to a land where they will begin to make preparations to enter into the promised land, the land that he had promised them. But God's people were disobedient. Because of their disobedience, for a generation, for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Now look, I wonder how many in this room your life would be characterized by wandering. You, you, the promised land's there. It's for you. It's what God's intent is. It's his plan. It's his will. That's, he's prepared this for you, and yet we don't enter into that promised land. We, we find ourselves wandering in a wilderness. What does is, what is wandering look like? I, I wrote down just three things. This is certainly not all-inclusive. Wandering is characterized by discontent. There's a discontentment in your life. You have food to eat, but it's not the food you want. 
You have a house to live in, but it's not the house that you want. You have relationships, but they're not the relationships that you want. Maybe you're blessed enough to have a job, but it's not the job that you want. You have a relationship with God, but it's not the relationship that you want. There's this, there's this discontent. There's this sense that there's more. You, you, you spend a, a portion of your, of your life, of your time, of your energy, of your, your, your mind thinking about how can I have more? This isn't enough. I, I, I want more. This is true for, for every person in this room that regardless of where we're at, we're thinking, I, 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 I know there must be more. That's a, this discontent, listen, discontent is not God's plan for you. If there's anything that God wants you to be discontented with, it's your relationship with him. He wants you to be hungry, and he wants you to be thirsty, and he wants you to want more of him. But in that, in that intimacy with him, in that relationship with him, in that walking with him, in that experience with him, he brings to us contentment in all other things. There's fruitlessness in the wilderness. This idea that love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness, that these things that have been bought and paid for so that we might experience them, that, that there's this sense of, I don't understand that. I don't experience that. That's not a part of my life. Love and joy and peace, I'd love to have that. God's bought and paid that for you. But that's, it's void in a life. There's a, a fruitlessness. There's a, there, there's a fruitlessness in, 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 our, in our serving. We're not involving ourselves in other people's lives. We're not giving of ourselves. There's, there's no fruit there. Vacillation. It's the word I, I use to describe that spiritual life that's a, kind of a roller coaster ride where, where, where there's a, a, a time when we're all in, usually on Sunday morning, and there's a time when there's nothing in our life that, that is characteristic of, of, of a life that, that follows God, that wants to honor God, that worships God, that, that, that has a relationship that's real with God and it's it's up and down and up and down and and that's the way the children of Israel were as they were wandering there were there, there was continued disobedience and there was times of worship there was just vacillation it was going back and forth one day they want to worship God the one true God and one day they want to they want to build a, a, an idol and worship an idol and it's back and forth and back and forth this is characteristics of wilderness wandering and I wonder if it might describe your life. Verse 2, God comes to the children of Israel. For 40 years, they've been experiencing this kind of lifestyle. And, and one of the things God says to them is, now Moses is dead. <laughs> I think it's his way of saying, there's something new about to happen. There's something fresh about to happen. The past is the past. Let's put our eyes on the future. Let's put our eyes forward. Let's, let's see what God has that is new. The past is gone. 
And I'm going to, in a miraculous way, a supernatural way, I'm going to usher you into the promised land. And he makes these incredible promises to these people. God is faithful. God would say to each and every one of us today, today is new. Today is a fresh start. It's a brand new year. You have the potential to excel. You have the potential to be the very best. I've given you all that you need. We can start today. I'll be faithful. You follow me. What will you decide today? There's something new. There's something fresh. Folks, listen, i, I got to go through this process almost daily in my life. Oops, I messed up. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Fresh start, new chance. I, I, I'm excited about what you have now. I'm, I'm giving myself to you. I'm surrendered. Do a work in my life. Show me something new. Here we go again. The new year, perfect time to do this. But listen, my experience has been it's almost a daily thing for me. A start over, a second chance. I'm going to move into the promised land. The promised land's not heaven, right? You know that. You understand that. When we study the promised land in the scripture, it's not talking about heaven. No, not at all. There was battles in the promised land, wars, conflict, defeat. There was disobedience, there was sin. All throughout the book of Joshua, we can see this incredible experience of God's people. But the promised land is where God wants us to be, and there's a characterization of the promised land that we can see and we can experience in our own lives. It's where God has, He's prepared this place for us. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be battles. There's going to be defeat sometimes. But this is where God wants us to be. This is where God wants to reveal himself. This is, God wants to use this experience to grow us and to change us. We want to be a people that are living in the promised land. And it's characterized by freedom. There's incredible freedom in the promised land. There's freedom to, to fail. There's freedom to have a fresh and a new start. There's, there's freedom from the penalty of sin in the promised land. There's freedom from the power of sin in the promised land. There's abundance. Abundance is, is contentment. <laughs> It's how God defines it. It's, it's, this, it's this feeling of fulfillment. It's, it's opportunity. Abundance is opportunity. Opportunity to give and opportunity to serve and opportunity to share. That's the promised land experience. And then I just I characterize it as an experience. It's the reality. It's what God wants for you. It's living out God's provision and protection and, and living out God's guidance. It's, it's, it's knowing that he's real. It's knowing that he's near. It's knowing that he's involved. It's following him. It's, an ex, it, it, it's, a, it's a life experience. It's not meant to be an experience one day out of seven. It's meant to be a daily experience, this experience of, of God being close, of this intimacy with him, of his 
protection and his provision. And, 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 and regardless of what's going on in our life, we can look to him and know that he's in control and he's in charge and he has a plan and he has a purpose and he loves me and he's involved in my life. It's an experience. I think you know what I'm talking about because I think many of us in this room can look at others and go, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I want the experience that they're having. You look at Richard Dunn. Listen, you could argue that the most difficult thing we can face in our lives is to bury a child. I can't imagine greater pain than that. And talk to Richard this morning. You know what he'll say? Praise God. God is real. God is faithful. God is good. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why. I don't know what the reasoning is. But I know God is good. All of the time. God is good. And I sense his involvement and I sense his presence. We can look at him and we can go, man, I want to experience what he has. Promised land living is freedom and abundance, contentment, it's experience. All right, but here we get back to the crux of the matter today. Experiencing life in the promised land involves these two dimensions. Really, they're synonymous. Really, they're the same thing. Promise, God's promise, and the condition that goes with the promise. Or you might say it this way, privilege that we have as children of God and the responsibility that goes with that privilege. I want to experience that, Dale. I want to live in the promised land. I, I, I want his, his, his power. I want his involvement. I want that peace. I want that fruit. God says, I promise that to you. I promise that to you. That is yours. But with promise comes condition, and with privilege comes responsibility. We see this all the time in Jesus' earthly ministry. As we study Jesus' ministry, it's, it's almost uh, if and then. If you will do this, here's what I'll do. If you surrender, you'll win. Weird, huh? <laughs> if you'll follow me, I'll make your path straight. If, then. Folks, listen to me. Because I think this could be a characteristic of the church in America today. We cannot sit back and say, God, make my life great. And that's the extent of our involvement in it. We can't sit back and say, God, give me that promotion. God, heal my marriage. God, please provide for me in this time of need. God, I need healing physically. God, I want your peace. God, help me to experience true joy. God, make my life great. And then we sit back and wait for him to do that. And the result of that is frustration. The result of that is doubt. Because God says, look, I've already promised what you're asking for. That's a promise. God always, he never lies. This is what he said. So we ask and sit back and wait. It's just like an incredibly gifted musician who has this incredible gift, 
but he never does his part in it. And so he never uses his gift. We do the same thing in our spiritual life. Bless me. Change this. Provide for this. And we wait, and we wait. Nothing happens. There's doubt, and there's frustration. And pretty soon, you're not even involved in church anymore. Because, you know, why should you be? It's not making any difference in your life. Chapter 1 of Joshua, verse 5. Here's some of the promises God makes to his people in this time, what, 5,000 years ago? Here's what I want you to know. He makes it to us today. No man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. What a great promise that is. Be strong and courageous. For you, Joshua, he's talking to Joshua, and and this certainly is applicable in our life. You shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Conditions, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all of the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. To do, to do, to do, to do. It's a condition, it's my part. Do not turn from the book of the law, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may find, may have good success, promise, promise, wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, that's to do, that's the condition, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now look, here's the deal with that. That's incredible promises, right? It's a promise of victory. It's a promise in, in you can walk out this life in victory. Regardless of circumstances, you can, you can walk out this life in victory. That's an incredible, incredible promise. And he makes that promise to us. So it goes back to how we started. Do you believe God? Will you trust in him? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to Him, surrender to Him, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path. Are you willing to to say, in all things, I will give thanks? Are you willing to trust Him, to believe Him, when He says to you, Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. I mean, some of our lives could be entitled. Don't just sit there, worry. You know? I mean, we we have a tendency to worry because there's nothing to worry about. And and he says to us, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything, anything. 
but in everything with thanksgiving. Take your needs, take your your anxiety, take, take it to the Lord, give it to him, trust him, leave it there, and walk in victory. So he makes these promises. Claim God's will for your life. That's a promise. This is my will for you. This is my plan for you. He has a specific plan for every individual in this room. It's very specific. It's not just a general thing. There's ways that he wants to use you. There's things that he wants to do in your life. we got to know what God's will is. If we're going to claim God's will, we got to know what God's will is. The number one question that we as pastors get asked, how do I know God's will? Let me give you some things. Look, we could spend weeks on this. The first thing I want to tell you is the Scripture. 90%, 80 80 90%, this is just my educated guess of the questions we have about what we should do are right here in this book. There are blueprints here. There's blueprints for marriage. There's blueprints for finances. There's blueprints for parenting. There's blueprints for relationships on the job. There's blueprints for how to handle difficult times. There's blueprints for how to handle death. There's blueprints for how to handle transplants. It's all right here. But 80 to 90% of the question, what should I do, what should I do, what should I do, it's right here. The second thing, besides the Scripture, the second thing is prayer. God is real. This is a relationship. We can speak to Him. He can speak to us. We don't spend enough time in prayer. We don't spend enough time on our knees. A third thing is counsel from godly friends. We've got, we've got people in this room who've been walking with the Lord for a long, long time. You know, Pastor Jim, Jerry Sharpless, uh, Rich, John, Tom, many, many. It's full. This room's full of people that you can go to and say, man, I'm, I'm really just, I'm not sure, and, and talk to them about it. Another thing is external circumstances. Have I said this to you before? I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in chance. I believe in a God who's sovereign and provident and orchestrates events in our lives. He's intricately involved. And listen, if you've been trying to walk through a door for two years that God has shut over and over and over and over and over again, then quit trying to walk through that door. If you've done these four things, you've consulted God's Word, you've meditated on it, you've looked at it, you've prayed about it, you've gotten counsel from friends... You've taken a look at, at how God has orchestrated things, the, those external circumstances, and you still just don't know what to do. If your heart is pure and you know that you've done all that God has instructed you to do, then move forward with whatever you want to do. And trust Him. Know God's will for your life. Claim God's will for your life. Claim the power in the presence of the Lord. Know this. God will never leave you. In this promised land experience, there will be trials. There will be difficulties. Your faith will be tested. It's a part of the experience. It's a part of spiritual growth. Experiencing the reality of God's presence. Claim this. He's there. He'll never leave you. He's there. He's with you. Experiencing the reality of God's presence. 
greatly affects our behavior, right? I mean, if you know that he's there, there's probably some things that you wouldn't say. There's probably some places you wouldn't go. If you were experiencing his presence, God is here with me. There's probably some TV shows you wouldn't watch if you were really experiencing his presence. There may be some things that you would do. It, it, it affects our behavior. God is real. He's real. He'll never leave you. Experience his presence. Claim. Claim it. God's prosperity and success. God's prosperity. God's success. How he defines it. When I think about God's definition of prosperity, I, 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 I think about contentment. I think about fulfillment. I think about this, this satisfying sense that can fill me and, and overwhelm me. What is, what is, how does God define success? This is his promise. You can claim it. How does he define success? You're going to hate this word. Obedience. Obedience. You want a promised land experience in 2016? This is an important part of it. This is your part. Obedience. Bill Bright said, success in sharing your faith is sharing your faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Rejection is not defeat. Success is obedience. Success is doing what God tells you to do. Doing it in His power. The rest of it, that's His deal. This is promised land living. These are His promises. You can claim this. You can claim his will. You can claim his power. You can claim his presence. You can claim his prosperity. You can claim his success. It's yours. It's, it's how he's gifted you, if you will. It's what will make you the best. It's what will make you shine. It's what will make you rise. It's what will change you. These are his promises. These are his promises. This can be your experience, but there are conditions. That's your part. Here's the conditions. He says right here, it's very clear, be in the Word, be in the Bible, study the Bible, know it, speak it, meditate on it. Gosh, we say that all the time. We say it all the time. Be in the Word, be in the Word, be in the Word. You, you, you know, it's the same thing as, as, as Ross's dad and mom saying, practice, 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 practice. Don't want to practice. Practice, right? It's you saying to your child, study, study, study. Don't want to study. Study, right? Sacrifice, sweat. Give it all you got. Discipline. we got to be in the Word. It's our guide. There's intimacy in the Word. There are some people in my life, a few people in my life, who love God's Word. 
and they spend time in God's Word, and when I'm with them and they begin to share with me some of the things that God has revealed to them through their, their time in the Word, it's not just reading to them. It is being with God. Man, they begin to share with me, and I just go, wow, that's incredible, that's neat, that's exciting, that's challenging, that's encouraging. This, this intimate time with God is is, is found in his word. Oh, I could spend time and time and time on that. We just don't have it. But here's a condition to living this promised land experience. Be in the word. I don't like it. It's boring. Ask God to change you. God, God help me with this. Listen, this is really, really important, and so I'm going to spend another minute on it. Be intentional about it. Find a partner. Someone that, just send them a text and say, hey, you know, it was in that first chapter of John this morning. Wow, powerful stuff. Just so they know you were in the Word that day. Find somebody to interact with. Share with your life group what God's teaching you through your time in the Word. Be intentional about it. Set aside a time. Here's a second condition. Obey God. Follow his blueprints. Here's a third condition. Be strong and of good courage. This is an interesting condition, isn't it? God wouldn't have said to Joshua to teach God's people, be strong and of good courage, unless he understood that they were weak and fearful. Just like us. You know why I'm not in the Word like I should be in the Word? I'm weak. You know what's strong about me? My flesh. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Lord, if, if you want to do something in my life this coming year, help me to be strong in you and help me not to fear most of the things that God tells me to do that I don't do, the number one reason why I don't do it is fear. The number one reason why I'm not obedient is fear. Oh, man, we just don't have time. Here's how we start to fulfill this condition. God, I desperately need you. God, give me strength. God, help me with my fear. Give me courage. Help me to believe you. Help me to trust you. Claim this. Claim these things for yourself. Our church will only be as strong spiritually as you are. Claim these things for yourself. Want this for you. You can soar. You can win. You can have success. You can have prosperity. You can this year. No changes for 2016 means that 2016 will be like 2015. If you're not willing to change, then nothing will change. And I know that the majority of people sitting in this room say, are saying, I know there's something more, I know there's something more, I know there's something more. You're right. Soar. Win. I'm claiming this for our church this year. The key to it is spiritual. 
We, we can change some physical things here, and we're going to. And it's going to help us. These, these emails that Pastor Jim's sending out about Fellowship One, pay attention to those. It's going to change a culture here. We're, we're looking at different ways, things we can move around and things we can do better, some physical things that we want to change. But if we're going to enjoy God's promises, it's going to have to be because of spiritual change, not physical change. It's going to have to be spiritual, and it's going to have to take place in individuals' lives because our church will only be as strong as you are. And I, I pray that you will desire this. I got another 30 minutes here. But I don't have 30 minutes. I should have planned better. Once a year, we get a physical checkup, right? Once a year, we kind of do a financial checkup. Maybe when we do our taxes and we look at debt and we look at things we want to do. and Maybe once a year, you get a job review. Do you have a spiritual checkup? This is a great time to have a spiritual checkup. Dale, I, I don't, um, how do you do that? Well, let me give you God's two priorities above all else. Here's his two priorities. It's Matthew 22. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you love God? Are you hungry for him? Peter says, just as you're saved by faith, just as you're saved by grace, grow by grace. Are you growing? Are you closer to God today than you were this time last year? Are you serving Him? This is, this is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you serve Him? You involved in church? You involved in the ministries here? You giving yourself to that? Some of it's inconvenient, I know. Some of it takes sacrifice, I know. You're giving. His word says do that. How's your relationship with God? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty to know Him better? Are you growing? The second priority is love others. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says the second one's just like the first one. Wow. Really? That's just as important? Yeah, love others. How are you doing in your relationships with your family? This is a spiritual checkup. Oh, you could start right in your own home. Do you care about the least of these? Jesus said when you do it to them, you do it to him. Are you sharing your faith? Do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you love them? Do you forgive them the same way that Jesus forgives you? Do you extend to them the same grace that God has extended to you? It's just a spiritual checkup. You get a physical checkup. This is more important. Where are you going to live? Promised land? Wilderness. And I'm going to invite you to stand. Lord Jesus, a whole bunch here, a whole, whole bunch here. And Lord, you know what I had planned. I had planned to take the last 10 minutes and just spend time praying, <laughs> going through the spiritual checkup. But 
we can't. We can't do that. And so I'll attribute that to you. I'll attribute that to your involvement. I'll attribute that to your providence and your sovereignty. I'll attribute that to your orchestration of events. Even if I failed, you're still in charge. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to bring this to our mind so that we might conduct a spiritual checkup in our lives, that we would be honest, that we would characterize our life in this past year as wilderness or promised land. And Lord, if it's wilderness, may we know your provision. May we experience your provision. Give us strength and give us courage to obey and follow you.